When we go out to eat, we never agree on where to go. I want burgers! Pizza! Tacos it is. The one thing we do agree on is we all want unlimited high-speed data. That's why we switch to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four lines with unlimited LTE data for just $100, period. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Offers require reporting of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network. During congestion, the fraction of customers using more than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. Video streams up to 40p. No tethering. See store for details and terms and conditions. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guests for this morning are doctors Ron and Mary Holnick. They are pioneers and worldwide leaders in the field of spiritual psychology and awakening in consciousness. As the founding faculty and co-directors of the University of Santa Monica, they have designed, developed, and facilitated educational programs in spiritual psychology for the past 35 years. Their first book, Loyalty to Your Soul, The Heart of Spiritual Psychology, published by Hay House, are available in 12 countries and in eight languages. Doctors Ron and Mary Holnick and I will be having a wonderful conversation about their spiritual journey and their latest book, Remembering the Light Within, a course in soul-centered living. Good morning, Dr. Ron. Good morning, Dr. Mary. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you two doing this morning? Good morning. We love, we love the idea of sampling the food in the kitchen. <laughs> Good morning, Johnny. Great to be with you. Wonderful, wonderful. The concept of the show is basically you can have heart-to-heart conversation in the kitchen. When you're called into the living room, you're in trouble. <laughs> I love that. Because some of the best conversations do take place in the kitchen. It is a pleasure to have both of you on the air with me. Remembering the Light Within is truly an enlightening read. It is beautifully written and easy to follow and use. So that's fantastic from that perspective. The most important thing is the essence of our spiritual being is wonderfully captured and expressed. So congratulations to both of you. Well, thank you. Well, let's get started in getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your lives from childhood to the present moment. That is one incredible question. Well, I think <laughs> the theme of my life really has been of, of always yearning for meaning and purpose and looking for expressions of beauty, inwardly and outwardly. I grew up... Um, As a daughter of a Methodist minister, I grew up in an environment that was loving, that had a spiritual focus. um, uh, When I went to uh, university, my two loves were English literature and psychology, and both to me were very similar in that they were an opportunity to look more deeply into people's consciousness and what made them tick or be the way they were. And at uh, one point, I came to a fork in the road. I had to choose one of those, really, as my focus. And I chose psychology, which uh, continued to further my inquiry into consciousness and uh, what, what was the meaning and purpose of life and 
how could I discover that, and how could I assist others in finding it? Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, in a Jewish family, and I was always interested in unusual things like ESP and uh, UFOs and things of that nature. And, but I, the idea was I was going to uh, follow in my dad's footsteps. He had a small chemical business in Brooklyn. And so when I went to college, I studied uh, organic chemistry. And uh, I, I finally got the clue. Something wasn't quite online here when I uh, went on probation for the first uh, year and a half or so in, in college. And so I, I was, it was suggested I switch over to psychology because that's what I was really interested in. And lo and behold, I went from probation to dean's list in one semester. <laughs> and that, that started the thing going. But I was always interested in these unusual, uh, let's call them extraterrestrial kinds of experiences. And that led me into the field of psychology. And then that just uh, morphed into spiritual psychology because it seemed as though all the extraterrestrials were living in the spirit. They didn't have to be showing up here on Earth too much that I could see anyway. And the rest is history, as they say. Very interesting. The study of psychology in itself, I mean, of course, it's studying people, behavior, and so forth. It seems like you guys found certain answers that you were looking for as a teenager. Well, for me, it, it did seem that way. I really thought that psychology, the way I was learning it, which was from a scientific uh, perspective, which is the way I guess most people uh, experience it in college, uh, it, the promise was that when, when you were done, you'd actually be able to work with people and help them alleviate their suffering and their pain. Mm -hmm. And it, it was kind of like a, if they have... You'd look up these symptoms on a chart, and then you'd go over to, let's say, the age of the person or something else, and there would be what you would do, and that would be the cure. Kind of like taking a pill, but doing it verbally. And, uh, of course, I, what I found out is that it didn't really work that way uh, <laughs> in a prescriptive sense, although the field itself continues to attempt to bring it to that mm -hmm. kind of, of a science. And, and for me, uh, a sophomore in college, I needed one more credit to establish junior standing. And I um, decided I would take one unit of independent study. And I had the good fortune to work with two women who were psychologists. And they encouraged me in reading the existential psychologists mm -hmm. who were uh, very big at that time. And so... I read um, Rollo May and Gordon Alport, but the most profound book that I read was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in mm -hmm. that book, he uh, makes some incredible, he brings forward some incredible things from his experience in the Nazi concentration camp as a prisoner. And he, one of those that was the most profound for me is even in the worst of circumstances, we have the ability to choose our own attitude, to choose our way of relating to that. And that was life-changing for me. It just, it just was riveting, compelling, inspiring. 
and uh, I, I feel it informed my path from there. That's terrific. I am familiar with Victor Franklin's uh, Man Search for Meaning. I read it as a management book because ah. the concept of, in the end, we are responsible. People die because, I would not say we chose to die, but we lose hope. Yes. And yes. it's strictly an internal decision that we make. In a nutshell, that is. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from the fact that there were a whole lot of wonderful information in there. But in a nutshell, from a psychological standpoint of view, you're correct in terms of it sort of changes the perspective of we are ultimately in control of our own happiness and charting ourselves, I guess, from that perspective. And of course, we apply it from the principles to management. Well, that is that is fascinating, but it it it's, it applies in all areas of life, really, in mm-hmm. in all professions and all paths. And so, I find it fascinating that it was presented to you as a management book. But I completely mm-hmm. get it because uh, one of the other major points he makes is is uh, in in something he said between stimulus and response, there is a space, and mm-hmm. in that space. We have the freedom to choose. That's important, actually, in management because you're presented with choices all the time. Yes. That's right. That's yes, right. absolutely. Fantastic. So how did you two, wonderful couple, end up meeting each other? The fact that one is from a Jewish background and the other one is Methodist, that in itself is a very interesting dance. Yes. It's a very interesting dance. Well, we met in, <laughs> um, in southern New Mexico uh, almost 40 years ago, I think. Maybe it's a little more than 40 years ago. And I had just accepted a position in the Department of Counseling and Educational Psychology where I was going to be uh, teaching courses that were designed to educate professional counselors. And um, when I interviewed for the position... I heard of someone who was going to be a doctoral student entering the program uh, in the next year. And um, one evening, Ron came to my classroom door. He introduced himself. He said, I'm going to be a doctoral student in the program. I'd love to sit on your class. Well, I had the experience of recognizing him and knowing that he would be important in my life, but I didn't know how. So I became a little flustered, and I said to him, well, what would you want to do that for? And he just gave me kind of a strange look, and he repeated himself, which gave me a few minutes to regain my composure. And uh, when he completed the second time, I said, well, that's fine. Have a seat in the back. (laughs) And, And that's how we met. He came into the department as a doctoral student, completed his doctorate, and at that time, then he was invited to be a visiting professor in the department, and our offices were right next to each other, and uh, I think the rest is history. What would you say, Ron? Well, I would say that, um, see, to me, there's no doubt in my mind uh, that unless you want to use the word coincidence, which from Mm -hmm. our perspective is simply a word that describes things that happen that for which we have no logical explanation. Uh, it's just part of the setup. That was how spirit brought us together. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear that um, we saw things very much in the same way. By that time, I had had uh, experience. I had already met my first teacher. Uh, I had already made 
the switch over into all the things I was really looking for, uh, the only place that I was going to ever find them was in a spiritual context. And so that's that's what started this whole thing going. And it took it took several years really to uh, what shall I call it, convert my consciousness. Mm-hmm. In, not that I tried doing that, it just it just was like um it was like if you were peeling an orange and you just kept peeling and peeling and peeling and the more you peeled the more the orange presented itself. By that time I had met my first teacher who was in New Mexico and she was a counselor to people and uh she when I the first time I met her uh, she knew way too much about me. I mean, there's no <laughs> way that that she could that she could have known that. She didn't even uh, know of my existence until the day before I came to to visit her and meet her. So uh, from then on, you know, Mary and I just got closer and closer and closer, and um, you know, and it didn't take too long before. Uh, well, really, the, the 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 cliff notes are Mary was already married at the time and it wasn't that I had anything to do with it she had already uh, was on the path to a divorce it wasn't working out mm-hmm. I was totally involved on the weekends with my spiritual teacher and our little group in New Mexico and two things happened uh, simultaneously because her divorce kept getting held up for strange reasons like the secretary's mother was sick, and the secretary had to go and couldn't do the paper, stuff like that. And it went wow. on and on that way. And then one day, the uh, the lawyer calls Mary and says, today is the day. Everything is ready. Just come on in, sign the papers. It's a done deal. Within 10 minutes, she gets a call from me saying, well, it's happened. Uh, Dr. Hunter, which was my teacher's name, uh, mm-hmm. made her transition. So in a sense, we it was like, uh, I'm free. And then I said, well, I'm free. What are you doing for the rest of your life? <laughs> <laughs> Would you be interested, since we both have similar interests, why don't we yeah. see what we could do here? And that was really how it all started. Wow, what a coincidence. It's a beautiful story. You're right. It's amazing how spirits move us in a different way. What my mom yeah. would coin and say, well, that's love at first sight, and then the rest is all... It takes time. <laughs> yes. So fantastic. So let's talk about spiritual psychology. What is it and how does it work? Well, the thing that, uh, that takes spiritual psychology into the, onto a different path than regular psychology really is inherent in the subject itself. Because if you look up the word psychology in a dictionary, you're going to find something like, uh, the science of mind and behavior, things of that nature. But if you look up the word psyche, what you're going to find is soul, breath of life, things of that nature. So as my first teacher used to say, the reason that psychology was first inspired onto the planet is because humanity had forgotten why it had come here. And so spiritual psychology was what it was really inspired to be about in the beginning. 
And so when we call it spiritual psychology, in a very real way, we're just simply attempting to bring it back to what it was originally uh, supposed to be about, but it got, uh, what shall I say, it got hijacked off into the area because it wanted to be more scientific. So it got into the area of behavior largely and things of that nature, and so it went off track. And spiritual psychology was our intention to bring it back on track to what it was originally inspired for. And that's what we have been doing. When did you first experience your personal awakening? Oh, my goodness. I feel like been, there have been incidents of it uh, my whole life. But I think maybe, maybe when um, I met my spiritual teacher, John Roger, mm-hmm. uh, within about a week or two after meeting him, uh, Ron proposed to me and... We had been in California taking a, an inside seminar, and I needed to fly home, and I was taking a very late flight um, back to New Mexico and arrived um, at the plane door just moments <coughs> before it took off, and they uh, put me in a first-class seat, and I promptly fell asleep. And while asleep, I had an incredible dream that I was traveling through the universe and uh, just seeing all these amazing things. And in the dream, I, I was spoken to and I was told that I had very important work to do in the light. And I would say that was uh, probably the most powerful dream that set me on my course at that particular time. I had had other kinds of uh, amazing spiritual experiences earlier, earlier in my life that, that also helped guide my course, but I, I would say that one somehow gave me more of a sense of mission and direction. Mm-hmm. Interesting. One of the stories that sort of fascinated me You had mentioned this in the book in chapter 17 where this chapter is the wild and wonderful world of choices. You had mentioned, Dr. Mary, that at early as age five, that the story about the hopscotch, about you. Oh, yes. (laughs) Back then, you kind of have something special you were able to connect. And I'm trying to think back when I was five years old. Hmm. things that, that I could resonate with. I mean, of course, there are things that if I think hard enough, but you sort of have that sort of a spiritual awakening. Yes, yes. I was playing hopscotch, as you mentioned, and I was five years old. I was playing with my little friends, and I wasn't doing that well. I was having a hard time, and uh, this voice spoke inside of me uh, with such clarity, and it said, you're going to need to pay more attention here. And that that was a profound message that I, I really got it, you know, that mm-hmm. I was going to need to um, wake up. I was, I was going to need to be more aware if I was going to operate effectively in this level. Very interesting. Well, Dr. Ron, how about you, sir? 
Well, uh, I would say the first truly spiritual experience that I had consciously was the first day when I met my first teacher, who I talked a little bit about before. Mm-hmm. In the conversation, after a while, she said, uh, you could really use an aura balancing. What? You know, I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> And so I said, fine. <laughs> and so uh, she sent me off with this uh, other young man and a couple of other people on her staff. And uh, you know, it was the kind of thing where you lay down on a table and they worked over me, or he did, with a crystal pendulum. And it didn't take very long before I started to actually feel the the swinging of the pendulum wherever he was swinging it over my body, and he was very clairvoyant, and mm-hmm. he asked me a lot of questions, and I would answer them, and and uh, after a while of this, at some point, all of a sudden, I just went into this place that I can only describe as an experience of ecstasy, where, um, you know, this it's the kind of thing where that has, a lot of people have written about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ecstasy of St. Teresa, that, that kind of experience. And I just went into a whole different state of consciousness. I mean, I was awake, but it was like, you know, no matter what you would say to me, uh, I would just smile and look at you because all I was seeing is the loving that was at the base, the basis of everything. And I realized at that moment that that was what enlightenment uh, or awakening, or, or remembering, if you want we use that word, is really all about it. So it's a, a shift in consciousness where you mm-hmm. see the world and everything in it in a totally different way. And you, and no matter where you look, the experience that you have, no matter what you see, is just this incredible uh, state of loving. I don't know what else I would call it. And uh, and that went on for several hours before I started to what I would call come down. Uh, but you know that that that's what happened. And that that day I knew right then and there. Oh my God, uh, how do you get back into here and and you know maybe even live there? Would that be possible? Mm-hmm. So that's what started this whole thing for me. That's a beautiful story. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guests are Drs. Ron and Mary Holnick. They are the founding faculty and co-directors of the University of Santa Monica and are pioneering leaders in the field of spiritual psychology and awakening in consciousness. We are having a wonderful conversation about their spiritual journey and their latest book, Remembering the Light Within, A Course in Soul-Centered Living. Dr. Ron, Dr. Mary, how did the awareness change the trajectory of your life? Because this is quite interesting in terms of based on your religious background, when you talk about spirituality, they're totally different realms, so to speak. And were there anyone in your family that were sort of very spiritual that you know of that basically said, hey, it's okay, whatever you guys feel, go with it? Well, um, my, my parents obviously were very involved in the Methodist Church, mm-hmm. but 
uh, it wasn't about dogma. My father really had a very deep understanding of the loving spirit of the Christ. And uh, I always felt a, a freedom to follow my own inner knowing and my own my own calling. Uh, I think part of what was a turning point for us, and Ron may want to add something more for himself, but when we were on the faculty together at New Mexico State University, our dream really was to work together, to uh, both be teaching and to teach classes together. I was being groomed to be the department chair, and at that time there was a uh, kind of a push for more women in higher positions in academia. So mm-hmm. it was pretty well known that I would become the dean of the college after be- being the chair of the department. And when we announced that we were going to get married, that really put a whole series of things in motion because um, of the regulations about nepotism within a university. Mm-hmm. If I were going to be the director of the department, Ron couldn't be in that department. And so they offered him a position in the counseling center uh, or a research position. And we really reflected on these opportunities very, very deeply. Uh, But we were clear. We didn't know exactly how it would come about, but we wanted to work together. And so I resigned, much to everyone's consternation and dismay, and we uh, had a period of about a year-long honeymoon. This happened very soon after we were married, within probably about eight months. And um, during that time, uh, we met our teacher, John Roger. Uh, we had already met him, but he, uh, he started telling us about this university, which was known as Koenar University at this time. Koinar means mountain of light. And he mm-hmm. was, you were the first people with the, the credentials and the consciousness to come forward to do this. And so we... We said yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. And, and I, I had a dream. I had a dream that we were to do the school, which really wow. kind of sealed the deal. And... Uh, and we came to Los Angeles and breathed life into what had been pretty much just uh, an empty shell. Um, the legal work had been done to establish the school, but that was pretty much it. And the first class had, let's see, let me think about how many people were in there. Oh, yes, it was 11. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. wow. And that's how it started. That's fascinating. You guys are obviously led to be together and then we're put on this journey to create something beautiful and special and that's well, the way we see it yes it, it really has been an extraordinary blessing because together we've been able to do things that neither of us would have been able to do independently which has really been just a, a great blessing and and um you know we have very similar perspectives um and in our abilities are very complementary, and so it has mm-hmm. worked very well. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Why did you two decide to write Remembering the Light Within? 
Remembering the Light Within really was uh, Mary's inspiration. Uh, I'd have to say she wrote the book, and I uh, put in comments every now and then. Oh, well. But uh, one day uh, we had, uh, I was talking with our director of online education, and um, we had created an online program, and we were talking about what we could do next, and and I I got this inspiration to do something called 33 Days of Awakening. And so we I said I'm going to do it. And every day we published um, some inspirational material and a practice. We did that for 33 days. We had the good mm-hmm. fortune that Ariana Huffington uh, wanted to make this available to her, part of her Huffington Post subscriber list. We had known her mm-hmm. for... A long long time. time. And Mm -hmm. uh, we had over 20,000 people register for this program, uh, this offering, and in in over 120 countries. Wow. And when it was over, it was just such a joy, and I uh, took another deep breath, and I wrote to Reed Tracy at (laughs) Hay House, and I said, Reed, we've done this program. He knew we had done it. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'd like to write this as a book. And and he loved the idea, and, and that was how we got going on remembering the light within. Except that, uh, see, the 33 days, the biggest feedback we got was, you're crazy. You can't do this in a day. I mean, you're putting <laughs> right. things in there that are, that are life-changing right. processes. You can't, it's, it's too much. And so that was where the idea came to, uh, to turn it into originally it was 33 weeks and then mm-hmm. we as we were working on it it started to pare itself down and and then the inspiration came well let's see if it can pare down to 26 weeks and then people can do each chapter in two in a two week period and mm-hmm. that's doable and if someone uh, really does this uh, one chapter every two weeks and now there are study groups all over that are that are doing it together, that's that's really the way to get the best result. Beautiful. It is true. The book is very easy to implement, and you're right in terms of you have to sit back and let it permeates, the information permeates within, and the work that you have to do, obviously, through meditation. And that is a recommended time, but obviously you can take longer. Certainly you can rush. To me, the process of spirituality, the transformation, yes, it's true. You may have an epiphany overnight or within a second. However, the true process of really embracing it completely and to truly be enhanced by it, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. That's right. That is so accurate, Johnny. And and to be more accurate, even it's a lifelong marathon mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. becomes the way of life. Yes, so true. I love the first chapter. What is the difference between the goal line of life and the soul line of life? That's a great question. Uh, for most of the people, and by most I mean the large, large, large most, uh, we live in the context of what we call the goal line of life, which is just another way of saying physical world reality. And so everything that we do and what we think and what we feel is referenced in physical world reality. And physical world reality has uh, polarity built into it. And by that I mean things are 
going from, let's call them negative experiences, into more positive experiences. So that would be represented in things like getting a better job, uh, earning more money, being more healthy, uh, and, and uh, being more successful. And this is the way that most people go through life. But as people um, mature spiritually, they come to a place where they begin to recognize that there's another way to look at life because no matter what's going on out there in the world, it's going on out there in the world. I'm the one who's experiencing what's going on out there in the world, no matter what it is. So is there some kind of a reality that is going on inside of me that I can learn how to operate within and that operating within becomes the context of the spiritual orientation to life. So in that reality, what we what one finds, and this isn't new news, what's new is the way that we put it all together in spiritual psychology. But what happens is that we grow in our awareness of that loving essence that I spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. that that dimension is actually accessible to us and that there are things that we can do in order to become more alive in it. The first one, or probably the most challenging one for most people, and in a way you already mentioned it earlier, and that is, do I have, do I have the, the, I'll call it the strength or the courage, to shift within myself to a position where I'm willing to take personal responsibility for everything that I experience within myself and stop blaming it on what's happening out there in the world. Is there a way that I can access the place inside of me that's actually having the experience and then work directly with that place and change my experience independent of whether something outwardly changes or not. And what we have found over these past 35-plus uh, years in working with thousands of people, that has become the essence of spiritual psychology for uh, to, to learn how to operate within that context that mm -hmm. we're not brought up to operate in. We're brought up in the outside-in approach. And we... For most people, we've never even heard about the inside-out approach. Mm -hmm. But you know what? We've also come to realize, because the people that come into class, the people that are attracted to this kind of work, they wouldn't be attracted to this kind of work unless they had an awareness inside of themselves that there has to be something more. There's, there's just got to be something more going on that, I, that I'm not aware of, and they start researching uh, inadvertently. They just It'll happen in just a book they pick up, and one idea will be presented. Oh, that's more like what, I, what I'm looking at, and this process could go on for years. Uh, we have people coming into the class in their 70s, and they say, oh, my God, I've been looking for this all my life. So mm -hmm. it's really a very, uh, I, I'd say, organic kind of thing 
the word spiritual evolution is very is very present that we are all on this uh spiritual journey and we start to wake up we start to awaken and that's why the title of the book is so great remembering the light within and we come to the realization that oh my god i've been asleep i've had spiritual amnesia as one of the chapters says <laughs> and once you get that first hit and you start to awaken and have that first experience really the game is over because you know you have a sense of what it is that is your quest and what it is that your life is really all about and that's a happy day maybe a challenging day but it's a happy day <laughs> so true what is fascinating listening to what you have to say is that that journey can start at any given time, regardless whether you're young or old. You may come into this world perhaps being fulfilled with a certain aspects of your life from a material aspects and whatnot, but then you are directly sensing there's something missing from a spiritual side of the equation. Exactly right. Yeah, and then you have someone on the other hand who has this sort of blinders on like the horses that runs that I've got to accumulate all this quote-unquote physical wealth that somehow I've been driven since I was a child and then I get to the point in my life that, wait a minute now, what is true happiness? What is true success? And what is true wealth? And that's when you get into the concept of it's more than that. That's where the spirituality side of your life comes in. That's exactly right. And from our perspective, that's not something that just happens by chance. You know, mm -hmm. That takes you into the whole concept of reincarnation. It takes you into the whole concept of uh, we're, and as we say, and this is one of our principles. We're not human beings with souls. We're not human beings with souls. We're yes. souls having a human experience, which is from Teilhard de Chardin. But then yes. to that, we, we morphed it a little bit. And we say mm -hmm. we're souls using the human experience for what purpose? The purpose of awakening. That's our that's our reason for being here. Mm -hmm. Is that mm -hmm. we are we it's it's like a you could you could call it a school for for souls that come here. I'm reminded of the of the uh the trailing clouds of glory here. Oh yes, Wordsworth's poem. Wordsworth. Where mm -hmm. he says we come to earth not in utter forgetfulness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God who is our home. And it turns out that's he knew. He knew or he couldn't mm -hmm. write that. So true. Why is the power of clear intention so important? Well, intention uh, really establishes direction. And um, when we have a clear intention, say my intention is to awaken spiritually, then my choices are going to be guided by that intention. My thoughts, feelings, and actions can come into alignment with that intention. Um, some have even said intention is God because it is so, so powerful. It's really a gathering of energy in a particular direction. Somebody can have goal line intentions that have to do with relationship or career, family, money, health, or you can have soul line intentions that have to do with waking up, with being of service, 
and uh, more inner intentions. And that's what's lovely about them. You can have them both for your physical world life and, and also for your spiritual life. The whole thing about intentions, though, really, uh, you could think of it, if I have a really clear intention, what is really being said is that that place inside that is ready to awaken is ready to awaken, and it is starting to awaken. And it says, in order to awaken more fully, we need to do more of this. Let's get going and start doing mm-hmm. more of this. So uh, it's not just something you sit down and go, well, gee, I guess I'll, I think I'll do this, and I think I'll do that, and, and then uh, maybe you do it for a week, and then you stop. It's really, uh, you might go so far as to say it's an inner calling it's something that inside that will not be denied, that you, you almost can't not do it. Um, our, our teacher, John Roger, has said uh, that another word for intention is God, and I think that's very accurate. It's like an inner, an inner push that you, mm-hmm. you, you'd have to work hard to really say, no, I'm not going to do that. Very interesting. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guests are Drs. Ron and Mary Holnick. They are the founding faculty and co-directors of the University of Santa Monica and are pioneering leaders in the field of spiritual psychology and awakening in consciousness. We're having a conversation about their spiritual journey and their latest book, Remembering the Right, a course in soul-centered living. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. How does healing relate to awakening? Well, one of our principles is based on a, a quote from the Course of Miracles. Some people also attribute it to Rumi. Our task is not to seek for love, but our task is to seek and find all the barriers that we've built against the love. Uh, the barriers within that we have built against. Mm-hmm. And to that we added, and to dissolve them. And so a lot of the pain and suffering that we as humans experience comes from buying into the illusion of separation. And we feel separate from our loving, we feel separate from other people. And this is a very, very painful condition. And a lot of times people have constructed a an elaborate story uh, about the things that happened to them, about the way that they've been victimized or hurt by other people. And those stories tend to be very, very disempowering. And it's when we can accept responsibility for what's going on inside of us and begin to minister to ourselves, begin to apply loving to the places inside where we feel separate and hurt, that then we begin to heal, and as we heal, the barriers are dissolved, and we move more into our the experience of our essential nature, which is loving. Every every time somebody resolves one issue, mm-hmm. uh, it's like it's as if you were wearing a pair of sunglasses, but there were there were like uh, let's say a whole series of frames of. Uh, of lenses out in front of you. And every time that you remove one lens, you saw the light more clearly. And so 
what spiritual psychology becomes all about is learning how to uh, remove lens by lens by lens by lens. And sometimes you remove two or three at a time. And each mm-hmm. time that you do that, you are aware that, oh, my God, it just got brighter. It just got brighter. And if you substitute the word loving for brighter, you you get the sense of it. And that's why we call it remembering. It's like every time we have one of these experiences we remember that much more of what it is that we are at our essence which is divine loving beings don't you think that a person runs into the first hurdle because of fear from within and we go into the denial aspects of the equation how do we handle that well uh, I forget who it was I think it was uh, Carlos Castaneda in the early Don Juan books where he talked about overcoming fear. And he said, the way that you overcome fear is to do the thing that you are afraid of doing while being fully afraid of doing it. And it is through that process that you experience that when you did the thing, that which you were afraid of didn't happen. And so there's nothing more to be scared about. And so... The more that we take steps in this direction, uh, we, we, how can I say this? We, it's not like you dispel the, the, the fear. It's more like you, it's more like you pull the plug on it. It just, mm-hmm. it just stops. Uh, you're just not afraid anymore. But you're right. It's something that you have to really do step by step by step. It takes courage. Whoever said it takes great courage to see the face of God knew what they were <laughs> talking about. And, you know, it's like, but for us, for example, uh, leaving our job at New Mexico State University, we both had uh, nice university jobs with summers off, and we had private practice. I mean, we had the world by the tail. Mary was going to be the department <laughs> there, and then the dean of the university, and I was, you know, going to be a researcher or, um, you know, something else. And but yet when this offer came to come out here to California, uh, something inside said, "Do we dare to take the risk? We have to give up everything mm-hmm. here, go out there." And, and we said, "You know what? How can we not?" You know, maybe, maybe we didn't say it that consciously. We just looked at each other and said, uh, "I guess the love that we had for each other mm-hmm. really was very instrumental, and we we want more of this." And so off we went, and you really, uh, as has been said, you throw cast your fate to the wind. <laughs> and, and, you go. and if we look back over our lives, because we talk about these things from time mm-hmm. to time, and uh, I mean that, that was what I had to do when I decided to, uh, to when I graduated from college, I, the idea was I was going to, run my dad's business. It was all set up. I was going to become president of the of the company and it was a small mm-hmm. chemical company in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I was going to inherit the whole thing. I had to say no to that to go off into this woo-woo land uh, you know, with this uh, crazy spiritual teacher as a lot of people <laughs> would, would say and inside of me I could not do it. I mean, I just could not do it. And so the, 
you kind of you kind of cast your fate to the wind and say either I'm going to really go with this 100% or not. There's no there's no real room for dilettantes if you really want to awaken. Very interesting. It seems like both of you were on the path of the heart created and the mind formulated the process for success. Well, well, I, I feel in many ways that we were so guided by spirit and mm-hmm. that we, uh, we were aware that of spiritual reality. And we had the blessing of a very amazing spiritual teacher who really was the presence of love. And his ability to bring forward spiritual wisdom was unparalleled in our experience. And I think that really inspired us, helped mm-hmm. guide us helped uh, give us the strength of heart to fulfill our mes- our mission. And I think we were very fortunate in that. Uh, I know from myself, both mm-hmm. with my first teacher, Dr. Hunter, and and then uh, John Roger, who was Mary and I's uh, main teacher for many years, uh, we both had come to the place where we had sacrificed what our lives were before, and we had devoted ourselves totally into this new life. And I, um, at some point, a person has to do that. You have to surrender and say, Lord, uh, I, I turn my life over to you. And I think it's what Rick Warren called the purpose-driven life. And he was mm-hmm. right on when he coined that term. Why is acceptance a gateway to freedom? You talk about that in the book, and one of the things that sort of lit a light bulb in me is that, okay, I have to accept who I am. Once I do that, it frees me up from the burden of I'm not good enough in this area or I'm super good in that area. Obviously, we don't remember the things that we're good. We always remember and are haunted by the things that we're not good at in so many ways. Well, uh, acceptance is so important. It is the first law of spirit. And in response to what you shared, Johnny, to me there's mm-hmm. acceptance of our humanity and also acceptance of our divinity, acceptance of the human condition of ourselves physically, uh, emotionally, mentally. Um, but it's also important to really remember that we are divine, that our essential nature is loving that in our essence we are wise and compassionate, we are masterful, we are creative, um, and, and the human condition is very challenging because we bump up against our so-called imperfections and uh, when we're in the place of suffering inside, we feel very separate from the authenticity, from the loving of who we are. Acceptance also is, uh, how can I say this? See, if a person truly moves into acceptance, mm-hmm. and if people truly move into acceptance, all of the suffering on this planet, uh, or I shouldn't say all, but the huge amount of it would go away because we, would, we could accept that everybody has their own perspective. We could listen to each other, and then we could, if we all agreed that the goal is to help each other live more loving lives and forget about all the rest of it, 90% of what troubles this world would go away. 
but it's this unwillingness to accept, and the unwillingness is not based on malintent, really. It's mm-hmm. based on uh, being young in consciousness, being a relatively young soul that's just coming up through the levels of consciousness, because um, until we can do that, nothing much is going to change on this planet. It's an evolutionary process. It is going on, whether or not people realize it, because the media tends to focus on all of the drama and all of that kind of stuff. But people are evolving. And don't you love that the word evolve really is love backwards? If you you take (laughs) B-O-L, it tells you the story right there. but this is really what the nature of the of spiritual psychology is. It's an evolutionary guidebook. It's a, I think of it as a Rosetta Stone, that because it it these principles and practices transcend any religion. They don't mm-hmm. they don't have anything to do with with any of that. It has to do with the essence of what all religions are about, and that is becoming a more loving person which, in terms of this book, remains simply remembering the light within. It's all of our destinies. We will do it sooner or later. We say the only real variable is time, and, of course, Mm -hmm. the only real time is now. So our point of view is, well, let's get on with it. And that's what USM uh, has been and is all about. Beautiful. Where can someone go to buy your books, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? Yes. Well, you can go to the University of Santa Monica.edu. That's our website. That's a great way to learn more about our work and spiritual psychology. To get the book, Amazon or Barnes & Noble are great choices, and um, both our books are available there. And Loyalty to Your Soul has just come out on uh, as an audio book within the last week or so. Yes, which Fantastic. is on Amazon or Audible. Fantastic. Just in time for the holiday season. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> One of the things you talk about in the book that I really like is about forgiveness. How does forgiveness contribute to our awakening? Oh, forgiveness is really the linchpin. Forgiveness is one of the ways that we come into compassion for ourselves and our human condition, and it's a way that we can let go of judgments that we've placed against ourselves, other people, or the world. It is um, a healing mechanism. When most people think of forgiveness and what we've been taught Mm -hmm. is, well, okay, that other person or other group or whatever did this terrible, terrible thing, but I can be big enough inside that I can just forgive them for having done that. And this is the idea that most people seem to have about what forgiveness is. But in the context of spiritual psychology, it goes much deeper than that. It's not about forgiving anybody else for what they have done. It's forgiving ourselves for having moved into judgment for anything that anybody else has done. It's a, it's a whole different ball of wax. 
when you move into compassionate self-forgiveness, you're really saying, I don't know why that had to happen. I don't know why that happened. I mean, to me, it seems like a terrible thing. But if I move into judgment, I am only adding to the sum total of judgment that already exists on the planet. We recently heard somebody who's a very well-known speaker uh, give a talk on, uh, you know, and this person is uh, a peace advocate and uh, consciousness advocate, and they gave this talk. And in the talk, it was all about, you know, take action, stand up, take action. But they were mm-hmm. angry in, the, in giving the talk, you know, and, and we were up next and we said, you know, if you want to march, that would be great. If you want to hold signs, that would be great. If you want to write your political representative, that would be great. But if you march or write or do any of those things from a place of anger or a place of againstness, all you are really doing is adding to the sum total of againstness that all of the stuff that you say you're against is based upon. So you really are just adding fuel to the fire that you say you want to put out. And it's very hard for people uh, to see this. If you, mm-hmm. if you want to march, march. March with, from a place of loving inside yourself. And then you're really being a force for what it is that you say that you truly want. You want to go to rallies? Go to rallies. But be there as a force for loving. Be there in a place of loving the people who are on the other side because you realize that the only thing that separates you is a difference of opinion about the way you think things should be. But that person on the other side is just as much of a loving person at their essence as you are. So our work is to assist everyone to awaken into that reality. And that is the only way that we're ever going to have peace on this planet. And I think it's an important message in today's world. So true. Looking through the lens of love. No question about that. By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour since our show is about people, family, and living life. Would you two like to share a couple of recipes for living with our listeners this morning? Well, you take two eggs. I would say this is what I like to tell people. Run an experiment. We're big on experiments. Okay. Here's the experiment. Take a day. You could take the rest of today or you could take uh, start tomorrow because uh, for many people it's already noon, um, even though it's 9 here in California. So take a day. Pick tomorrow. And just decide on that day from the time that you wake up in the morning, you are consciously... As you go through your day, everyone that you see, everyone that you meet, everyone that you speak to, you are consciously going to say to yourself, there is a divine loving being who's having, you know, if you're in New York, a subway experience. There Mm -hmm. is a divine loving being having an experience in the supermarket. There's a, wow, there's a divine loving being cutting people off on the highway. Wow, but they're still a divine, loving being at their core, no matter what they're doing. They may not be doing smart things, insofar as everyone else is concerned. That doesn't change the fact that at their essence, they are a divine, loving being.
do that for one day and see how you feel at the end of the day. It's a, it's a, a fabulous exercise. Uh, we, call, we call it, well, I think it's in the book, isn't it, Mary? Seeing the Loving Essence. Mm-hmm. And, and my recipe really is to, to recognize that your heart really is already full of love, that, um, that if you have a willingness to share loving with other people, to have a practice of loving kindness and compassionate self-forgiveness, and to pay attention inwardly and outwardly. Um, I, I think that is such a key, to know that your nature is loving, to pay attention inwardly and outwardly, um, to recognize that the universe is a mirror, that we are receiving feedback all the time about what's on course and what's off course, what works and doesn't work, and that we can, we can cook up a really fulfilling, rich, and, and meaningful life that we can share with others in the most delicious and yummy ways. <laughs> <laughs> and even healthy, even healthy. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I love it. I could feel the energy, you two. I can feel the love that you guys have for each other all this 40-plus years. And I can feel the love and the beauty of what you guys are doing. It's just interesting because I think anyone who is angry or whatever that may be ticked off, when they come into contact with you guys, I think in five, ten seconds, you guys can totally de-escalate the situation. <laughs> well, we do our best. <laughs> thank you, So Johnny. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Dr. Ron, Dr. Mary, thank you for the wonderful recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in three weeks, Tuesday morning, January the 9th, My guest will be Alexis Thompson. She is a keynote speaker, executive coach, a member of the Forbes Coach Council, and the creator of Tribal Gratitude Journal. Alexis and I will be having a conversation about how you can transform your life through gratitude, curiosity, and self-awareness. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed week. Dr. Ron, Dr. Mary, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again. Merry Christmas and a very happy New Year to both of you and your loved ones. And have a blessed day, sir. To you too, Johnny. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. Bye-bye. agree on where to go. I want burgers! Pizza! Tacos it is. The one thing we do agree on is, we all want unlimited high-speed data. That's why we switch to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four lines with unlimited LTE data for just $100, period. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Offers require port and of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network. During congestion, the fraction of customers using more than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. Video streams up to 40p. No tethering. See store for details and terms and conditions. When we go out to eat, we never agree on where to go. I want burgers! 
burgers. Pizza. Tacos it is. The one thing we do agree on is we all want unlimited high-speed data. That's why we switched to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four lines with unlimited LTE data for just $100, period. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Offers require reporting of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network. During congestion, the fraction of customers using more than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. Video streams at up to 40p. No tethering. See store for details and terms and conditions.